0: Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I am so grateful uh, for our teams that serve week in, week out, day in, day out. Joel, I'm grateful for you and the team and uh, Stace and all the singers, as well as all the people that work behind the scenes. We've had an extraordinary year this year. So good to see so many of you here. Unfortunately, many churches have struggled coming out of COVID. Uh, we have not, we have bounced back and it's been because of God's grace and His mercy at work. And there's so, I just feel we're at the beginning. There's so much more to come. In the first service, I really felt like the Lord was speaking, this is a day of new beginnings. Whenever we come around Christmas, it's a day of new beginnings, new hope, new expectation, new faith. I want you to go in your Bible and then to John chapter 1. Up on the screen is going to come one verse, verse 14. I actually felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, hey, just read from verse 1 through. I think sometimes we quickly gloss over Scripture and we don't pause and stop and allow the Scriptures, the public reading of Scriptures to wash over us. And there's something about being sanctified by the power of God's Word And uh, many people uh, don't ever get exposed to the Scriptures and the reality of uh, the Word of God. And so I just wanna read from verse one, John chapter one. Just listen in, grab your Bible and uh, open up, John one. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, And the Word, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John the Baptist bore witness about Him and cried out, "'This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. "'For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace.'" For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth has come through Jesus. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. Now, John says, He has made Him known. Well, as we celebrate Christmas, I want to speak to you today on the subject, the incarnation of God, the incarnation of God. Um, anyone who has ever, you know looked after a pet fish in a fish tank knows that every action that you take, even feeding the fish is often misinterpreted through the filter of fear in that fish. Because compared to the fish, you are like a deity. You are like a God. You are larger than life. and most fish, even in the wild, are totally petrified of anything to do with someone coming, their, their way, they are quite reactive in their posture and approach. And, and so to a fish, your actions are so incomprehensible that the only way you or I could ever identify with a fish in a fish tank is to actually become like one of them. How insane and ridiculous is that? And yet, a human becoming a fish fails in comparison to the God of all the universe And the God of all creation becoming a humble baby in a little manger. You see, this is exactly what has happened in a little stable in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. That the God of all creation, the God of the universe who created matter and material itself took shape within it and has become the central character, not just of the story of human history, but of the story of creation and the universe itself. And so this Christmas time beyond shopping for presents and and all of the end of year Christmas parties and the food preparation that my amazing wife has left me to prepare because she's in the UK right now enjoying being a snow bunny in the midst of Manchester and with my, my son playing football in minus four degrees and snow. Thank you, Simone, for leaving me here with the preparations for Christmas lunch. Thank God for the in laws. And so, <laughs> beyond all of the Christmas shopping, beyond all of the festivities, you need to know that Christmas is a time where we celebrate the incarnation of the God man. Right. You might have heard of Spider Man, Batman, Superman, but have you heard of the God man? Hey, I reckon he's probably going to trump every other superhero that there is. Right. And we can do nothing but marvel at him. Did you like that? I just thought of that then. That, that, that was good. That was good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. The God, the God Man. New movie coming your way this Christmas. Boxing Day. No, Christmas Day. The God Man. Who's the God Man? Jesus Christ. When you talk about the incarnation, we're talking about God incorporated in the flesh. Literally incarnation, that word means to become flesh. Once you believe in the incarnation of God, every other stumbling block to faith is eliminated because the incarnation of God in the person of Jesus Christ is not just the greatest mystery of the Christian faith, it's the greatest mystery of the universe. Why an almighty or powerful or sovereign, all creating God would become one of us? didn't need to, didn't necessarily have to, but chose to, why? Because apart from Him becoming like us, we would have no hope of being set free from our sin. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are all lost. It doesn't matter how talented you are, how good looking you are, what your bank account is, what you've achieved in in status, qualification, university degree or in life, who you're dating or how good you think you are. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a Saviour exactly like Jesus. You see, the Creator of heaven and earth shrank down so small as to become a single fertilized egg, barely visible to the naked eye. An egg that would divide and redivide until a fetus took shape, enlarging cell by cell into a beautiful baby born in an animal feeding trough. This baby couldn't speak. This baby couldn't feed himself. This baby couldn't even control his own bladder. This baby was totally dependent upon a servant girl, a virgin by the name of Mary, the the, the enormity, the inadequacy of our understanding to comprehend an almighty or powerful or sovereign and perfect God, our Creator, becoming a humble little baby in a manger. I love the Apostle Paul and how he reveals to us and reflects to us the enormity of this. Philippians 2.7, he says, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But God made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus Christ is not just a glorified historical figure, it's not just a prophet according to some faiths and religions. He's not just a great teacher or a philosophizer. He's not someone who is a great example for CEOs to follow in their businesses on principles of leadership. Jesus is not a self-help option in life. Jesus is the eternal Word that became one of us. He's the living Word. The Bible says in verse 14, the Word, the eternal Word, the living Word, the Word that was there at the beginning of all creation became flesh, incarnated and dwelt among us. Now, the Word becoming flesh doesn't mean He ceased being God and was just another man or person, but rather He took on humanity. In 451 AD at the Council of Chalcedon, they established through uh, the the Scriptures and theological rigour that Jesus Christ is one person with two natures, both divine and human. I love what St. Augustine says. He says, when Christ added humanity to Himself, He did not lose His divinity. No, He came as God Himself to identify with us, to rescue us, to show us that He is the way, the truth and the Life. He was light and the darkness of this world did not overcome Him then, does not overcome Him now, will not overcome Him in in the future. Because He is life, He is light. He is the very living Word itself. In Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light and there was light. When the Word comes, it changes everything. The entrance of His Word brings light. The entrance of His Word brings illumination. When Jesus came into the world, it broke through and pierced the darkness of man's hearts and the fallenness of sin and all of the temporary efforts on our behalf that were shadows to try and save ourselves. Jesus became the once and for all sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world. He is not just someone to put on a T-shirt and give a thumbs up to. He is the living God Himself. He is the Creator of the heavens in the earth, without Him was not anything made. He is fully and properly man, but He is also fully and properly God. In John chapter one, verse one, we read it. John, the the Revelator, has an insight and revelation into the origins and the beginnings of this God-man, Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Everything that we see in terms of creation and natural order was created in partnership with the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And John's revelation of Jesus echoes the opening phrases of Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. If you're wondering where it all began, in the beginning, God. If you're wondering what the purpose of life is, in the beginning, God. If you wonder if there's any meaning to your existence, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and you and I have been made in the image and likeness of God. You see, just as Jesus existed in eternity past with God at the origin of all life, so too we read in the Gospels, Jesus walked on earth as the eternal living Word. Literally what this means is God pitched His tent in our backyard and He lived among us. He came, he's coming to knock on the back door or maybe the front door of your heart today. He literally is coming your way. You are not here by accident or design today. You're here by divine purpose and intention. You may have been invited here by a friend, a family member or a loved one, and you're sort of going through the motions. But I wanna tell you today, what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, what you're encountering is the living eternal Word, the presence of Jesus, manifesting Himself in this earthly realm. We live between two parallel worlds as followers of Jesus, heaven and earth, and we declare and pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This world is filled with mangers and filled with politicians and pandemics and challenges and issues, but there is a heavenly world. There is a supernatural realm with angels and demons, with light and with darkness, with an adversary and with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Himself and to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian is to say, Jesus, you're not just in a supernatural heavenly realm, but you are the Lord of my life. You're the saviour of my sin. You've saved me not just from my sin and my problems, but you are Lord, not only of all creation, but you're Lord of me. Excuse me if I preach a little bit today. You see, in the midst of the, Confusion in our culture, even the person of image, uh, the person of Jesus and the image of who he is can become distorted in the church. And we think he's just our best friend, or or we think that he's a ritual, or we think that he's an outfit, or he is, you know, a clerical collar, or we think that he's some form of formality. No, he's a real person. That's why you see people with extreme acts of demonstrations of worship, not to perform, but because their hearts are being captivated by the person of Jesus, through the person of the Holy Spirit, ministering Jesus and His salvation into our hearts. You see, because Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, Jesus is both like us and He's unlike us. Firstly, Jesus is like us in every way. Many people's idea of God is a a big angry judge with a big stick. And the moment that you do something wrong, the judge comes and whacks you on the, has a cosmic whack on the backside. And uh, many people live in fear of God as judge. No wonder you don't wanna be intimate with Him or get up close and personal with Him. Who wants to get up close and personal with an angry judge who just judges you? That's not who our God is. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us means that Jesus can identify with you and I in every way. He feels the pain that we feel. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by those closest to Him. He knows what it's like to feel lonely. He knows what it's like to feel physical pain. He knows what it's like to be tempted in every way. As a full and proper man, He was tempted sexually. He was tempted to be angry, to be bitter, to harbour unforgiveness. If you think that you can't connect to God, oh no, you can because He's very much experienced what you and I have experienced. He knows what it's like to be forsaken and feeling forgotten. Talk about cosmic forsakenness. Bill, on the day He hung upon that cross and took your sin and my sin upon Himself, He said, my God, my God, why have You forsaken me? He was forsaken so You could be forgiven. The God of all creation didn't deserve anything, was innocent. And yet He took it upon Himself. Why? Because He loves you. He's inviting you into an intimate and personal relationship with you today. He wants you to encounter Him. He wants to, to not just you to be a compartment of your life at Easter and Christmas time, but for you to actually experience Him in your heart, to find peace and love and a sense of order that you've never experienced before. Clarity, encounter, where not everything in your life is perfect, but He is. There may be tribulation, there may be trouble, but He says, take heart, I've already overcome the world. This is who Jesus is. He is like us. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.17, He had to be made like us in every respect so that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make a propitiation for the sins of the people for because he himself has suffered when tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted so jesus firstly is like us in every way but secondly he is unlike us in every way and the reason is, is because even though he suffered temptation even though there was all sorts of attacks that were misguided and he didn't deserve He remained sinless, making Him the only person that could become your mediator. The only person that could save you from sin. No one else was qualified. No one else is without sin except Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there is one mediator between God and men, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself as a ransom for all. In fact, in Hebrews 4.15, it says, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And let's note they're important words, yet without sin. So He's like us in what He's faced, but He's unlike us because He is without sin. And so the text goes on. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need because Jesus is the perfect mediator, because Jesus is sinless, because Jesus is the Son of God and because Jesus is also unlike us as much as He is like us, we can confidently and boldly approach the throne of grace. We can seek God in our time of need and have confidence to know that He is for us and not against us. And if He be for you, who dare? be against you, you can come into a place of victory and of new beginnings in your life in this season, not just lasting Christmas Day or this service, but for the rest of your life and for all eternity, because of the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus is also the Son of God. The Bible tells us in John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Now, if you have ever find yourself reading through the um, birth of Jesus and the account in what we call the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, you'll encounter details surrounding Jesus' birth. You'll encounter Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was a virgin who had an encounter with an angel. And the angel said, you will be with child. The Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. You'll conceive a child and His name will be Jesus. And He was communicating to Mary that she would be the mother of the Messiah. Talk about an encounter. Talk about a word. And she believed in her faith and in her innocence unto the Word and it became a reality in her life. Then you have Joseph who finds that his betrothed is pregnant and he thinks there's been foul play and Joseph isn't going to divorce her quietly, but he has an encounter with an angel in a dream that actually gets his attention and says, no, this is from the Lord. And so he commits himself to faithfully honouring the Word of the Lord and the encounter and raising Jesus as his own son. I thank God for Mary, but I thank God Joseph hung around. I thank God that Joseph actually had enough intimacy with his heavenly Father and an encounter that actually he had enough reverence and holiness and fear of God that actually caused him to say, I'm gonna stay and I'm gonna honour the Word of the Lord in my life and I'm gonna raise this son as my own. And so you read details, you read about the hotel manager who had a brain fade with the Messiah. How'd you like to be the innkeeper, the hotel manager who had no room for Jesus? We say, oh, that's so so terrible. It's so disgusting, but how many of us have no room for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in our own lives? How many of us put up a no vacancy sign every day we wake up, every night we go to bed, every week of our lives because we're too busy having, you know, paying bills and living life and going to parties and living the dream that we've got. No, we're just like that hotel manager. We put up a no vacancy sign. Oh Lord, today there's a vacancy sign. Oh God, in my heart, come and dwell with me and me with You. I want You to come and establish Your purposes in my life. Let this be a church that always has room in the inn of our hearts and of our services for the presence of Jesus. That's what we were encountering earlier, the reality of the presence of Jesus. We didn't, we, this is not a church where you're just a two song sandwich, come in, get burped at the back door, go out and live your life. No, this is a church where the river flows and we're going where the river is going. Even in my ministry, my preaching, I don't preach just all the formality of lit- liturgy and notes and I'm going where the... The Holy Spirit is leading us. Why? Because that's who Jesus is. He's a real person. He's not trying to control you, but He wants to empower you to actually follow Him. In the Gospel account, we have a stable, we have animals, we have a manger, we have... Shepherds who encounter angels declaring and announcing the birth of the Messiah. We have three wise of mystics who are fully loaded and they come with gold, frankincense and myrrh, uh, estimating, interpreted to be thousands, if not millions of dollars, coming and blessing the presence of Jesus, the person of Jesus. There are all sorts of details in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, but in the Gospel of John, there's no details, there's just one big idea, Jesus is the Son of God. And apparently that's enough. He's a chip off the old block. You ever heard that saying? Oh, you're a chip off the old block. And depending upon your experience and honour for your father, maybe that may be good or bad. For me, it's a good thing because everyone loves my dad. So that's a good thing, right? But I honour my Father, I honour who He is, but there's no one like your perfect heavenly Father. Jesus was an exact representation of His heavenly Father. If you wanna know who, what God is like and who God is, look at Jesus. Jesus is a perfect picture. He's perfect theology. He's he's the epitome of perfection on earth. We take our cue from Jesus, not not even even from the pastor or the leader or the, the team. As much as we say imitate us as we imitate Jesus, Jesus will never let you down. Jesus will never disappoint you. I may, but He won't. You see, when Jesus was baptised, the Bible says the heavens were opened, the Holy Spirit descended and the Father declared Jesus' birth certificate to all of the cosmos, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. In John 14, 8, Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father, it'll be enough for us. And Jesus is like, have you been hanging around me at all? Like, do you know who you're dealing with? Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. See, of all the reasons that Jesus came to us, seek and save the lost, destroy the works of Satan and all the powers of darkness, to give us a brilliant picture of what the kingdom looks like in action, of all the reasons that Jesus came to us, one of the foremost themes that keep running through the Gospels is Jesus came to give us a completely perfect and accurate picture of who our Heavenly Father is. So when we look at Jesus, we see our Heavenly Father. In fact, in Hebrews 1.3, it says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the Word of His power. Literally, the molecules of your body are being held together right now by the Word of His power. It's very fascinating to see humans get angry at the person who's holding the molecules of their body together by the power of His Word. So many people live their life when trouble and hardship comes their way, they get angry at God, bitter. They wave their fist at God. They do a John Cleese, thank you God, thank you very much. It's a faulty towers image that just came to mind. And so many people stay distant from church. They stay distant from God because of hurt. It's amazing how the greatest deception of the enemy is to convince everyone that all the problems in their life is on God. But Jesus is a perfect image. He's a perfect representation of who the Father is. I sense in my spirit that there's some people here today, you don't have a great relationship with your Father. You've broken relationship. And so you find even this whole talk and language difficult to understand or explore because you can't sort of posture, you can't understand it because you've come from a broken place and a broken environment. This is where the power of the Gospel comes home is that the power of the Gospel is that not only that you get saved from your sin, but you get reconciled back to a perfect Heavenly Father. And in the midst of the disconnect, in the midst of the, the disappointments and the hurt and the wounding from natural relationships, you can be healed and come into a place of relationship and intimacy with your Heavenly Father through the person of Jesus. Jesus came to not just give us a picture, but to restore us and reconcile us back to our heavenly Father. Not only that, Jesus' is grace and truth personified. The Bible says that we've seen His glory, glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So of all the awesome characteristics ascribed to God, grace and truth were present In the life of Jesus. Now, a lot of people in our culture don't understand grace because we live in a culture that says you get what you deserve. So that can either lead to real brokenness and woundedness or it can lead to pride and arrogance because based upon your performance, based upon what you've earned, studied and done, many of us equate our significance and our value and our worth based upon what we deserve or don't deserve. And so many of us in this room, even you may have attended church your whole life, but you don't feel you deserve God's grace and so you live under the perpetual weight of condemnation, intimidation and shame because you've done so many supposedly bad things, hurt people, that you live with this guilt. And so it distances you from the presence of Jesus. You don't want anything to do with Him. It's like my grandfather, I took my grandfather, we were at a church service back in the day, and I invited Him to come down the front with me to make a decision to follow Jesus and ask for forgiveness, said, I could never do that. I've done too many bad things. This mindset, I don't deserve it. Listen, that's the point of the Gospel. None of us deserve anything. It's all by grace. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not based upon whether you deserve it or don't deserve it. You can't do anything. Even on your best day and getting everything perfectly right, God's not going, okay, you've earned it now. You've still fallen short and sin. You've still fallen short of the glory of God. You still need a Saviour. Is this helping anyone today? Then on the other end of the spectrum, people are like, well, I earned it. I studied for it. I deserve this promotion. You deserve nothing. Everything you have is by grace. Everything, the breath in your lungs is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Everything you have, everything you can do is not because of just Your application, it's because of the grace of God. What is the grace of God? Divine, unmerited favour. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't do anything to earn it, but you received it because He is full of grace. When we speak about grace, we're we're actually speaking about the loving kindness of God that leads us to repentance. We're speaking about His mercy, His gracious mercy. In our lives. And it, it is hard for our finite brains to compute the infinite nature of who God is and His grace. In fact, in verse 16, it says, for from His fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. So according to the Scriptures, you don't just get grace. That's enough, by the way. You get grace upon grace. I mean, this is a win-win scenario. I didn't do, do anything to deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. Yeah. But because Jesus is grace personified, I've received the fullness of His grace upon grace yeah. in my life. Yeah. Wow. Come on. I mean, we could just go have Christmas lunch right now. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a good scenario. Yeah, that's right. So it's not about what you deserve or don't deserve. It's about His grace. But then it goes on because a lot of people, a lot of Christians have this distorted idea of grace. We talk about it in the context of cheap grace, license to sin, oh, well, it's all under the blood. So, you know, I, I'm, I'll be forgiven. But then you've got to understand he's not just he's not full of grace, he's also full of truth. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And Jesus like, you're looking at him. I am the way, the truth and the life. Do you know that's an offensive statement in our culture right now? Because our culture believes that truth is relative to your experience. Well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. All the best when you stand before the truth on judgment day. All the best. You're on your own. Seriously. Seriously. There has to be a plumb line of truth. There has to be absolute truth somewhere or else this is gonna get even more pear-shaped very quickly than what it already is. And in a world where everyone interprets their truth through the shifting sands of culture, I'm so grateful for the fact that God's truth in Jesus means He's eternally faithful, He's eternally steadfast, He's eternally consistent. There is no incongruency in Him in a world of instability, in a world of, of, I don't feel like it today, or I do feel like it the next day. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's stable. He's sure. He's true. And so the, the parable of the wise and foolish builder, those who built their house upon the sand and the wind came and the storms came and knocked that down. And the wise builder who built his house upon the rock, here is the moral of the story. Whether you're wise or foolish, storms are coming your way and all of us could point to a storm all of us could point to something that that has gone pear-shaped and not well in our life but in the midst of that the house that remains is the life that is built on the consistency the faithfulness and the incongruent the lack of incongruency of the truth of God's Word I am the only way Jesus says I am the only truth and I am the only life. So that means if He's the way, the truth, and the life, I have got to find my way and truth and life in Him. Not in the media, not in my feelings, not in what the popular ideology of the day is, but in the truth. And so... Christmas is more than a celebration of holidays, food, even though we thank Jesus for food. Does anyone ever eat food and just say, thank you, Jesus? By the way, uh, here at Newman on Christmas Day, there's no calories. So just eat as much as you want. That's false advertising. Christmas is a celebration of the incarnation of God. So when this week you're at Chadston or somewhere, and some of you are like, no, I'm not going there. The parking is too crazy. Or you're at a restaurant or you're hanging out with family or eating the fifth slice of pavlova or whatever it is that you're doing. Just remind yourself, this is great. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. But it's, this is all actually about you. Yeah. Yeah. The incarnation of God. See, in the Old Testament, God manifested His presence through the Tent of Meeting, the tabernacle, through the Ark of the Covenant. In the Gospels, God manifested His presence through His Son, Jesus. But in Acts and beyond, God manifests Himself through the Holy Spirit in us. You see, Jesus has all the markings of the Son of God. In Matthew 11, it says that John the Baptist's disciples asked Jesus, are you the one to come? or shall we look for another? And Jesus said, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear and the dead are raised. Every one of Jesus' works, every one of Jesus' miracles is a sign and a wonder to who Jesus is. And it's the reason why we as a church and me as a believer, a Christian leader, contends for the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit to manifest in the earthly realm in our lives. It's a reason why we can point to 10 cancer patients over the last 17 weeks being totally healed of tumor, tumors, and cancers in their blood and in their body. It's one of the reasons why we can point to someone with no optic nerve in their left eye that has had their left blind eye open. It's a reason why that we can point to someone who had deaf ears, now their ears have been open. It's a reason why we can give you story after story, testimony after testimony, of people's bodies and lives transformed and changed by the reality of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, because without the incarnation of God in human form in the person of Jesus, none of this is actually a reality. It's simply a figment of our imagination. But because of the incarnation of God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I can have hope to believe that even in the midst of the contradictions, even in the midst of the challenges, even in the midst of sicknesses and doctors' diagnosis, there is a God who is faithful. There is a God who is consistent. There is a God who wants me to come into a living, breathing encounter with Him that will not just change my body, but will change my eternity. This is the fullness of the Gospel. This is who Jesus is. And this is what Jesus has promised. He said before He ascended to the Father, behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. How is that possible? It's through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God.